Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. Today I'm speaking to Chris Shaw, Chief Operating Officer at Cobalt Digital. Chris holds a wealth of experience working within various areas of the broadcasting industry, officially joining Cobalt in 2006 to lead its international growth and dealer network strategies. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Right, so Chris, welcome to the In The Hub podcast today. Thank you very much for, for obviously taking the time out and coming on and speaking to us. Um, how, how are you doing today? Yeah, very good, very good. A, uh, a nice, hot, humid Texas. Um, it's going to get warmer during the day. So, uh, but uh, yes, thank you for having me and uh, good speaking with you all. So Chris, if we do just get started straight into the, the kind of questions that we've got for you today. Sure. Just for some kind of background on you. Um, how did you personally come to be involved in the broadcasting industry? You know, where, where did it all begin for you? Well, uh, 40, 40 years ago, I worked for, uh, I was a cost of accountant, believe it or not. I worked for a company in the UK called Link Electronics. Uh, that's the UK Link Electronics. Uh, we developed uh, studio cameras, um, a whole range of small uh, devices for signal processing. But I, I was... Uh, contract manager for the systems group uh, and uh, traveled much of the world negotiating uh, contracts for the systems group and uh, um, it um, that, that's where I started at the later date I was asked to come to the US I have a, an American wife and I was asked to come to America to assist the Snell and Wilcox at that time in uh, their uh, company in Sunnyvale California and uh, so, uh, you know, since then, I have um, moved on to American companies and uh, I've been over here, say, for 40 odd years. Yeah, because I was curious, actually, about, about why you obviously with, with starting off in the UK, um, I was just curious to how you found yourself obviously based over in the US. And it was was it just that good over there that you couldn't kind of leave? Uh, well, it, it was um, <laughs> uh, let's 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 not get too much into that. But um, <laughs> I, I think it was partially um, uh, due to marriage and uh, my wife's relatives are over here. And uh, uh, but, you know, I was fortunate to meet some very good people in various companies uh, and eventually including uh, Gene Zimmerman, the founder and president of uh, Cobalt. Um, I've worked with Gene now for uh, two different stints, one for eight or nine years, and then I left and uh, uh, he asked me to come back about uh, three years ago to help him out. And uh, I've been with him uh, ever since and um, uh, and enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah, 100%. And that leads us quite nicely on to the next question I had for you, Chris, which was, you know, who are Cobalt Digital and, and what kind of products and services do you guys provide? Well, uh, Cobalt Digital was founded in 1997. And I think basically Gene developed the first throwdown box A to D, D to A uh, for um, NEP uh, at the time. Um, they asked, he said he could do something. They asked if he'd uh, supply some. And I think um, that eventually went into thousands. And therefore, it was necessary to. Um, uh, create a company. Uh, then uh, a few years ago, um, we uh, joined, uh, we were the joint uh, founders of Open Gear with Ward Beck, Ross, and ourselves. And we have focused very much on the Open Gear line since then uh, with an extensive range of product, not just focusing on one area. 
but we still do throw down boxes as well. We, we find that, that that's still a requirement for the customers. Yeah, and now that we're kind of, and I hate to bring it up, Chris, I know we, we've all been speaking about it, you know, a lot over the, the past kind of year or so. Um, but now that we're kind of finally starting to emerge from COVID and, and coronavirus, and, and just looking back, um, you know, have you got you now got a clearer sense of how the pandemic actually affected Cobalt as a whole and, and your customers? You know, yeah, can you look well, back now and we, pick out, you know? We, well, we, we were somewhat of, uh, somewhat fortunate. We have a, a small team, group of people, um, and I think sometimes the uh, average perception of Cobalt is larger outside than it is inside. But we had to make some um, uh, cost cuts, and we did that by reducing salaries. We never... Uh, furloughed anybody we never laid anybody off we've uh, we've actually added people throughout um throughout covid uh, yes it did affect our customer base yes it did affect uh, uh traveling it affected trade shows which we'll talk about a little bit more later um but uh you know that those were sort of cost savings in themselves and we reinvented ourselves as far as marketing doing a lot of more um email blasts um webinars uh i know that sends shudders through people sometimes the webinars <laughs> uh we've had too many of those uh, but um you know we we we've perfected them a little more we once i think we realized that the original webinars that we were watching and that we were actually participating in ourselves were too long you know you've got to limit the time so we we've reinvented ourselves and I mean, we've come through the uh, pandemic. We we have uh, taken on more engineering staff. Uh, we've now uh, salaries are back to where they were. We paid off all the past uh, monies that we um, had uh, reduced the salaries, so we're back up to full speed. And um, you know, this this month, for example, is going to be a record month in our sales, and uh, uh, it's it, it's. It's a tremendous feeling that we've come through this, and we 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 see a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not the train coming in the other direction. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have been very fortunate uh, keeping the team together and working through this. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's been such a learning curve, hasn't it? And yes. any company that's been able to even survive over the last past year, you know, we've got so much respect for those guys. Um, and it's just interesting to see how different companies have dealt with it. So like you said, you know, Cobalt had its own approach um, in, in such uncertain times. And it's great to hear that now you guys are bouncing back in a big way as well. Um, so obviously, Chris, I know you, you dropped in a little mention about Open Gear um, <laughs> a little earlier and, and the importance of these kind of cards for your customers um, and for the, the kind of wider industry. And I stumbled across a news article pretty recently, um, obviously about uh, you guys acquiring the rights to the Ward Beck range yes. as well. Um, and I, I just wanted to kind of prod a bit and say, you know, what do you think the future holds for Open Gear as a technology? You know, can can you guys see uh, a couple of years into the future where do you think it's progressing to? Well, look, gazing into my crystal ball, which quite often gets very foggy. <laughs> um, Yes, we, we do. I mean, we we acquired Wardbeck uh, because we wanted to, to um, retain the uh, IP for the analog audio and video uh, portion of their product line without having to redesign, redevelop ourselves. Believe it or not, there's still major calls out there from truck companies, uh, Southeast Asia requests for that type of product. 
so analog is not not dead. There's a lot of legacy equipment out there. Uh, I don't, I don't, far from it, yeah. I don't think we build our future on it, but it's necessary. What we've tried to do with our extensive range of uh, open gear products is is to have a very extensive range, everything from analog audio, video, right up to HEVC encoding and decoding, and everything in between. Um, obviously, twelve G is very important. Uh, uh, Twenty one ten. Yeah, we 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 see we do not see the end of hardware uh, in the next two or three years. It's just not going to happen. What we do see is the um, necessity of being able to put uh, software options onto your cards so that a uh, customer, if he wants a logo inserter, if he wants color correction, et cetera, et cetera, we can sell, we can provide the, um, the options so all the way through to Dolby encoding. Uh, and uh, we are looking at you know, several other uh, opportunities. But it's having the wide range of product uh, that has helped us through this situation. So a truck company, for example, won't just come to us for a, a DA. They, they want our up-down cross converters. They, they, they want uh, the, the um, ability to have uh, HDR conversion. Uh, and, you know, we, we partner with uh, Technicolor for a HDR technology. And uh, so we found that extremely important for um as we move forward for sports, et cetera. It's, uh, it's having a diverse range. And of course, coming from a sales background, uh, you know, the, the engineering never moved fast enough for us. And we, we always want, uh, and the customer always, you know, that's just what I want, but I want it to have pink stripes. So you have to always try and gauge when they're asking, when a customer requests uh, an option uh, for the future, what's the real revenue in this? Is, it, is this going to be, one or two cards, is it necessary to have just one or two cards that's going to slot in and, and therefore the customer will purchase a lot of other cards in, in the in the library? Uh, you know, you don't want to send engineering down a rabbit hole working for months uh, to uh, provide a function that you're going to sell one or two cards. I mean, you, you have to make a case for why we're doing this. And, um, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's a very difficult line to move sometimes. Uh, you, we always try and satisfy a customer's requirements, but we have to um, make an internal decision. What, when, going back to when I started, I remember with uh, Link Electronics, we were developing cameras, et cetera. You know, we expected to get five to seven years out of these products when we developed them. Now we're hoping to get nine to 18 months out of some, some product. You know, everything's moving so dynamic. You know, it's it's uh, and uh, many man years can go into some even the, the um, development of cards. You know, it, it's uh, uh, obviously uh, it's, <laughs> we get the statement, oh, it's only software. Um, yeah, no, it costs money to develop that. But uh, yeah, so we, we see a great future in open gear moving forward especially as a more and more frames uh, getting out to the market yeah 100 percent. it's great to hear that you guys have got that kind of roadmap set up um, and you know where you're kind of going with it and um also just touching on the engineers there as well chris oftentimes uh, you know forgotten uh, kind of behind the scenes uh, but massive respect to those guys as well over the past year because it has been absolutely crazy oh oh yes you know and uh, as the technology has um 
the depth of technology has increased. Now, dealing with um, uh, DAs of the past, SDI or analog or whatever, is one thing. But then you start getting into HEVC encoding and decoding, or you're getting into complex up-down cross-conversion, including HDR conversion, HDR to SDR, SDR to HDR. It's, it's the complexity of the product, even if it's on a card, is um, tremendous. It's, it's confusing me just thinking about it, Chris. Um, so if, if I just touch on, um, obviously, your customer base is is pretty huge over at Cobalt. And, and you know, I couldn't, I couldn't dream of covering every single industry that, that we find your products in. But one kind of interesting one in particular that a lot of industry kind of news has been surrounding at the moment is obviously live sports and, and live sport production. Yes, um, yes. So I just wanted to ask, as that kind of resumes and, and everything kind of gets back to normal over on that side, do you think COVID uh, did anything to expose kind of flaws in, in the workflows of live sport production? Well, I think, you know, we, we've all seen um, uh, the increase in Remy or remote uh, 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 applications where the, you know, the, 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 the uh, commentary, uh, transmission, etc., will come from a remote site it's sent from maybe a, a, a smaller a group of people in a, in a truck, sent it uh, to back to Stanford, Connecticut, and that's transmitted then uh, across the world. The commentators are some, sitting in a remote spot. So that has changed dramatically and uh, I, I believe has improved and is improving all the time as 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 the, the networks, et cetera, get more uh, attuned and uh, trained on this. So, yes, it has changed that situation. Uh, trucks are still, big, uh, I call them trucks, production trucks, outside broadcast vehicles are still in great demand at the ground, but not to the, having the same number of uh, production staff as they needed, need, sorry, needed previously. And so the, the remote uh, application has changed that significantly. Yeah, I think that there's so many different aspects of it that have changed. And like you said, a lot of it is down to obviously social distancing and, and uh, production staff, uh, not as many staff, you know, allowed to even be in the same room or, or area kind of Sure. Thing. Well, I, I think that's, you know, that's the basis of it. But then the the various companies, broadcasters, found out that they could do it a lot more economically, you know, not not having to fly crews across the country, not having to fly or I mean, there's still an element of the obviously commentators that are alive on the ground, but that is kind of becoming less and less. And uh, uh, as the uh, skills become more honed um, yeah, from these remote uh, sites, I think uh, we're going to see that increase. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm quite excited to see how it further develops. Um, and I, to be honest, I'm just happy to have live sport back, to be honest. It was a really, really weird, weird time <laughs> yes, well, when that was all kind of on hiatus. Yeah, although living in the US, uh, my wife is American, but she and I are huge soccer fans, yes, football, yeah, yeah. English. You know, we we kick the ball, not throw it. <laughs> and um, we were you know, heavily into the Premier League and uh, and uh, obviously the Euros at the moment. Uh, we 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 love watching that. So uh, yes, I mean it's and and I believe soccer, football particular is actually growing in the states i think there's a greater understanding of the game and uh, so yes i i, I that that from, from our point of view and we will have to see how the olympics fares that's going to be interesting i have my own opinion of the olympics compared with what it used to be but uh, it's still popular oh yeah 100 percent. and i mean yeah it will be interesting to see how that develops as well um 
so Chris, I just want to shift it back onto to uh, Cobalt and and twenty twenty one. Um, you know, looking to how we're going to approach this year. Do, do you think you personally, you know, as a an individual or, or Cobalt, will be looking to attend in person trade events this year, or you know, what what is your kind of outlook on these events? Trying not to be too political here. I I think the type of the event the events will uh, change dramatically. I don't think we're going to see the same number of attendees. I think they're going to be different attendees. Um, I, I, I believe that we are all going to have to look at our budgets a lot more closely. And instead of having large booths, I think we'll be able to do this with a much smaller crew at a smaller booth. I mean, and, and the trade show organizers themselves have got to recognize that we, the manufacturers, go to these shows to see attendees. And... Uh, they've got to start marketing themselves a lot more to the attendees. Our major concern this year about the two large trade shows, NAB and IBC, is how low, we're, we're already aiming, putting the bar low. We're concerned how low the attendance is going to be. And then when I hear that, oh, well, we're going to run uh, a virtual alongside the, uh, the physical so that the, uh, uh, the attendees who can't attend uh, can see it virtually. Well, that to me is just going to dilute the physical attendees. Uh, and uh, I, I think, I know I understand the situation that these large shows organizers are in as far as revenue are concerned, but they really need to start looking inwardly at what they, what service are they supplying and what, how it's going to change in the future. I, I personally, at the moment, I love coming to uh, IBC. I primarily, because I then go back into the UK for a couple of weeks for some vacation holiday. Uh, but um, at the moment I've made a specific decision that I'm not going to attend. I, I think IBC uh, I hope it's not disastrous, but I do not see it being that positive in December. And, and just because somebody tells me that the beach bar is going to be open for Christmas does not excite me particularly. Uh, NAB, I think, is going to be much more of a regional show. I think uh, you, you'll find people in the southwest, uh, LA, etc., will travel there for a day. We're, we are discussing with uh, customers, and I have to say there's not a lot of enthusiasm or uh, enabling of staff to go to NAB in um, uh, September, October. I've lost track where it is now. Uh, uh, so, um, um, w- you know, we we are we have cut our own cloth to suit this year. We, we're being very careful with the number of people who attend. We cut our NAB booth down to suit. We see it as much more of a hopefully a meet and greet for people who do attend. Uh, obviously, NAB Vegas is uh, is, is opened up. Um, US appears to have opened up uh, uh, the social distancing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, much more than IBC. I- IBC, for obvious reasons, are still uh, having sort of very stringent booth rules, which are almost prohibitive to run a good show. But I understand why they're doing it. So, um, yes, I, I'm saying I'm, I'm probably going to spend a couple of days at NAB Vegas because it's not a um, a vast number of miles away from me, but at the moment I am not personally going to IBC. That we'll have a small team will go there. Yeah, hundred percent. No, it's completely fair enough as well, Chris. I, I completely understand. Um, in terms of virtual events, I know we touched on it a bit in that kind of hybrid aspect, but when it 
you know, casting back to 2020 when they were just coming about, and, and obviously we had, uh, you know, the IABM's virtual events and, and you know, IBC and things like that. Um, do you think these uh, virtual events were beneficial for COBOL and, and why or why not? We have not participated in a lot, in a, n- a large number. We've participated in uh, very few, but I have to say that we've not found tremendous success from any of them. Uh, it, it's, it's just, um, it just has not worked the same and it's still very difficult to man a booth, have somebody sitting on a computer. You, you can use the argument that uh, you've got uh, attendees coming to these virtual booths 24 hours a day. Well, then you've got to have somebody attending these booths. And we have not really found them uh, that um, exciting or successful. Now, whether that will change, I'm, I'm willing to be um, persuaded but uh, not not at this time. And I say running a virtual alongside physical makes no sense to me. All right, Chris. So this is a question that we ask at the end of every podcast. Um, and, and some people find it a little bit harder than others, but um, I think you'll, you'll get along just fine with it. Um, and it's if you could sum it up in, in one word and one word only, what do you envision for the future of the broadcasting industry? One word? Oh, yes. uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to say... Uh, word comes immediately to mind is streaming. Uh, you know, we we uh, we. I was discussing with somebody the other day. Do we still call ourselves a broadcast industry? Depends where you you know what you call broadcast. But you know, we we are dealing. We are working because of our HEVC encoding and decoding and various uh, assets in that uh, range of product. We are working very um, strongly with some uh, well-known streaming companies and. Uh, you know, this has been very important to us. We're also, you know, uh, adding streaming capabilities on board cruise ships. Uh, this, uh, this has been a major uh, asset and ch- turnaround for us uh, in, in, the, in this. We uh, acquired iMedia some years ago, which was a, a compression company. And we are fortunate to have some good engineers from that company. And the, the, it's really grown within the uh, potential of uh, uh, cobalt digital. And we see that growing ever more. Let's say, um, say trying to cover the whole uh, in one word. You know, I'll say it'd be streaming. Of course, we're looking at 2110. We're looking at IP. Uh, at the moment we have that sort of capability with using um, SFP gateway, but we're going to have our own capabilities very soon. And so, yeah, it's it's all coming down to um, streaming. Yeah, no, definitely. I think all paths at the moment do lead to streaming, to be honest. Um, yeah. And that's because, it, it, you know, from day to day, every day it is evolving in such a big way. And it's, you know, it's all encompassing, isn't it? Yes. yes. Um, no, I completely agree with that. Um, so, Chris, obviously, thank you for joining us uh, today and, and providing some insight on some of those questions that, that we had for you. Are there any exciting plans in the pipeline for Cobalt that you can talk to us about today? You know, are there any new products on the horizon? Uh, any exciting announcements coming? Um, or is it all kind of under wraps at the moment? Well, say so besides talking about the 2110 IP capabilities, that's you know, we, we, we will be launching something at uh, NAB. I'm not going to you know, go into detail now. Uh, we are continually um, adding product uh, to our open gear line. I mean, that's cards such as HDMI to SDI, SDI to HDMI, which not don't sound revolutionary, 
but they are very important and we had major requests. So we've recently uh, added those to our uh, line. Uh, we've added 12G DAs uh, and routers in card form. Uh, it, it, this is, you know, um, evolving, growing uh, every day. We, we have constant engineering, sales, manufacturing meetings. And I have to you know, mention that it's a whole team. We have a concern about uh, component availability. I'm sure I'm not alone in that situation. Uh, you know, we, we used to sort of cringe at 22 to 28 weeks delivery, and then we're being told 52 weeks you know, for some components. That's it's concerning. But so, I mean, we will continually evolve our, our line of product uh, to meet the customer's demands. Yeah, and you'd you'd think it was a given, but it's just nice hearing that obviously you guys, uh, you know, are really receptive uh, to your customers' needs and wants, and and like you said during COVID and everything, and and you know, you sound quite on the ball with that. Yes, well, we we tr- we try to be, uh, and you know, we were listening to customers all the time, and it has been more listening. Whereas we used to go out and meet with them, or they used to come to the trade show and talk to us. You know, it's much more necessary to do these conference calls, um, whether we Zoom, go to meeting, or just a telephone call. Our, our salespeople have been <clears throat> much more <clears throat> active uh, on phone calls and uh, these conference calls, and it, it's, it's vital that we that we maintain that. And how can people get in touch with with you, Chris, or Cobalt directly if they want to inquire about anything? Well, the. the um, Probably the uh, best way to get in touch with us is obviously our, our website, which is www.cobaltdigital.com. <clears throat> that will give the range of products. You'll also find our, to get in contact with our sales group, it's sales at cobaltdigital.com. That's the email address. And uh, we, we will then determine what, what area of the world, what part of the US, what part of internationally people are. And we will uh, get the appropriate sales manager, director to uh, contact the inquirer yep brilliant stuff and we'll link to the website in the podcast description as well chris so anyone on spotify apple music feel free to head to the description and and uh find the cobalt website there so yeah thank you again chris for taking the time out of your morning to do this podcast today i really do appreciate it and and thank you for coming on well i hope i hope it all makes sense and there's something valuable in there